Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, dear listeners. My guest and co-host for the day is the brilliant stand-up comedian Joe Coy. Joe and I talk about how comedy has transformed over the years, how he pretended to be his mom when getting tickets to see Eddie Murphy, the difference between a racist joke and giving a voice to minorities, how Dante Bosco was his hero in Spielberg's Hook, Joe's slimy first kiss, deal breakers, and a lot more. You can currently see Joe live on his Funny is Funny world tour or check out one of his hilarious specials. Our unqualified segment begins with a call from Kaylee, whose ex is confusing their six-year-old daughter when his conspiracy theories go against what she's being taught in school. Our next call is with Sunshine, who doesn't know how or what to tell her older sister when it's clear that the sister's boyfriend is unfaithful and stringing her along. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like to talk with us, we would love to hear from you. Just look for the link at unqualified.com. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. Joe, I have a nine-year-old little boy. Nice. Uh-huh. And I don't make him do anything around the house. I don't know why that is. I know that I am potentially messing up his future partner, but I hate it when he asks me to find things. Yeah. Will you tell us about your mom? (laughs) Well, my mom hated anything that had to do with us trying to be responsible. She didn't understand. Every day was just that old school way of disciplining. Like, my God, you'll lose everything. Like, you're never going to be anything if you cannot find anything. It was always just this, you're never going to be anything. But here's the thing with my mom. The way she delivered it, like, every time I say it, it makes it sound like my mom was mean. But it was almost comical how she did it. She sounds hysterical. And you can feel, I'm sure, the intention of love. Yes. You know, when I first started doing stand-up, I was always scared to talk about me being Filipino because I didn't think people would understand. And I always got notes from people saying, ah, you know, it's too specific. You know, people aren't going to relate to blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what the fuck kind of thinking is that? It's like, hear the story first, and then you'll see that my mom's just a mom, you know? And the more I started talking about my mom, then people started learning that I was Filipino. And then they were, like, relating. It wasn't even about Filipino anymore. It was like, my mom did the same thing to me. And this is why your stand-up tour is so appropriately named. Aww. Funny is funny. Yes. Because when a joke is told with nuance and context, of course it's funny. Yeah. We're very resistant to letting our guard down. Do you think that that has increased through the years as you've been doing stand-up comedy? When I first started doing stand-up, I started in 1989. And I hate to say this, but stand-up comedy was very two colors, maybe three. It was like white and then the black story. And it was mostly the Mm -hmm. white story, you know? And it's like you had to conform your stand-up so that 
the majority could understand it because you weren't going to be able to play those rooms. And I hate to say it, but that's the truth. You know, when you used to do the improv circuits, like when I used to play them, there was this thing where they go, there's the other nights and then there's the white nights. And white nights were Fridays and Saturdays. And that's not something I'm making up. Every comic that had any other ethnicity other than white that was a comic would always say that, man, I want to play that white night. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's a real thing. The people in power are making pretty atrocious assumptions about the intelligence level of the audience. Yeah. And then it gets kind of reinforced to some degree. Yeah, the people that had the power at that time there was nothing to back their decision-making, right? They always said something like, well, let's hope middle America gets it. That was always their basis for success. Well, let's hope middle America gets it because right. those are the ones that watch TV and blah, 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 which basically was a way of saying, let's hope white America gets it because that's where the white people live, in the middle of America. And that was kind of like their indirect way of using that. With Instagram and Facebook and YouTube, we call your bullshit, you know? It's like I'm dropping bits that I did 20 years ago when everyone said no to whatever I was pitching back then, and now I'm dropping them now on Instagram or TikTok, and they're just one little tiny bit, and I'm getting 45 million hits. Exactly. There's an audience that gets it, and there's people that watch, and now we're calling your bullshit. We're not going to sit there and wait for Columbus, Ohio to make a decision on us now. Funny is funny, and everyone relates to these jokes. Now I'm getting DMs from people from South Africa, from Australia. I'm selling out in the Philippines. I'm selling out in Singapore. I'm selling out at the Forum in Los Angeles. Yeah! I love where we're at now, that people can be mature and stop being so ignorant. And it's just fun to hear you say the same Funny is funny. If you deliver it the right way, we all get it. A mom is a mom. There's no difference from my mom's accent or anybody else's accent, you know? And you mimic her so well that that's why we also feel that she loves you <laughs> and that she's funny. It's so fun to watch. I'm telling you, man, when I was doing stand-up, and this was like 1989, I was so scared to tell people I was Filipino because I didn't know how to do it. Then when I first started, I was doing like the generic well, Filipinos do this and white people do this. And I was trying to compare and that was my way of trying to tell people I was Filipino. And then all of a sudden, one Christmas, I bought my son the Wii. And all of a sudden, I see my mom playing a video game for the first time in my life. I see my mom interacting with a child with a video game. It was my first time ever seeing this. And she's talking shit. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. Like, oh, try and get that, huh? Oh, boom, game over. And she's like screaming at my son and calling out people like, who's next? You want to play? And I went up on stage and did that joke and people died laughing. And I was like, this is how I tell people I'm Filipino. That is awesome. It was like a switch. Those moments, they're so few and far between in life. Yeah. That's awesome. Isn't that crazy? And that was the moment. Well, wait a minute. I have a shit ton of stories like this. And then that's when the character became me against my mom on stage. And I remember that joke when I did it, parents would bring Wii controllers or these kids would be like, my mom plays the Wii too and she talked shit too. It'll be a white family. It'll be a black family. And I'm like, here we go. When you tell the joke about the accents, which is poetic. Thank you. Just glorious. Thank you. You can hear people. It's like they get a shout out. Yes. That's how the audience is treating it. Yes. You're making me so happy right now because that's what I wanted from that joke. It's not a hacky, let's make fun of. It's a celebrating moment. And it's also putting people on the map and also calling out ignorance. 100%. 100%. If you listen to the joke, I said, only if they have accents can you tell them apart. 
And not just that, you're giving distinction, just like you said, to different cultures. That's what makes it so brilliant. That was one of my favorite bits because those are three groups of Asians that I grew up with. Because you're from Tacoma. I'm from Tacoma, and there's a lot of Asians. I'm from Edmonds. What? You know Edmonds? Yes. I love the Pacific Northwest. I call that my home all the time. I haven't lived there in so long, but I just can't get enough of it. By the way, I just sold out Key Arena where the Sonics played. Dude, congratulations. It was No wonder you perform with a smile on your face, which is a stroke of genius, by the way. But man, I love it that you're celebrating in your success. Yeah. You know, it's a long time coming. This moment I've been waiting for for so long. I'm not going to sit and not celebrate each moment. You don't understand. I saw Eddie Murphy at Key Arena when I was 15, and I bought those tickets on the phone because this is before Ticketmaster. We had to call in a credit card, and I used my mom's voice because I knew if I used my voice, it would have been like, hey, kid, let me talk to your parents. But I used my mom's voice on the phone, and they didn't even question her at all. I was like, I need two tickets to the Eddie Murphy comedy show, please. I'm using my Visa card, if you don't mind. And this lady on the other line was like, yes, ma'am. How many tickets? Two. The closest possible, please. (laughs) where I got away with it. And I had to go to the Bon Marche and it was upstairs in the customer service area. I went there after school and got my tickets to Eddie Murphy Raw. It was always my dream to sit in the same seats and look at the stage where I sat when I was a kid. And I got to do that with my son. Oh, I was like, right here, Joe, this is where I sat and saw Eddie Murphy. That is just awesome. And I said, I remember looking up to the top going, I can't believe this many people are here to see this man. And I was able to sell 14.3. It was the most they ever sold at that venue. How do you anticipate the show reacting to your accent joke? When I did the accent joke, I knew it was going to crush. Will you tell our listeners sort of a little bit about the structure? I love the fact that you're breaking down the joke because if you listen to the subtle little words in between, it's telling you this isn't a racist joke and I'm not making fun of, I'm celebrating and I'm calling out ignorance Like, don't just look at an Asian person and go, Korean, because that's offensive. (laughs) You know what I mean? But if they do have an accent, sometimes you can tell us apart. And the crowd goes nuts. They go nuts because, one, I'm not making fun of them. I'm giving them a voice, finally, on a huge platform, a worldwide platform. And I'm also making them sound really, really cool. (laughs) You know, it's like, especially when I do that with the Vietnamese, I'm like, hey, look, one thing I will say Don't fuck with Vietnamese people. You fuck with Vietnamese people, they will fuck you up. It doesn't matter how big they are, they will fight anybody. And that's a true story. That's a true story through my life experience. I got that from my friend V when I was growing up. One of the toughest kids I know, and he was also the shortest one I knew. And he had a thick accent, and it was sharp and to the point. Like, hey, dude, don't fuck with me, dude. What the fuck? (laughs) We had the same diverse Asian population in Edmonds. Yes. For me, it was a heavy influence. I had a shit ton of Korean friends, and I loved them. We're the same. (laughs) You know what it was? It's the three military bases that are in Washington. Mm. Can I ask you a question? Sure. And this is just personal. Why did you dye your hair black when you first started? So I was this blonde when I auditioned for a scary movie. At the time, it was called Scream, if you know what I did last Halloween. Yeah. And the lead, Cindy Campbell, was sort of a weird combo of Jennifer Love Hewitt and Nev Campbell. So they dyed my hair. Oh. I felt like a totally different person. Do you get that question all the time? Never. Oh, really? Never. Uh Uh-uh. Someone once told me that my career would be better if I was a brunette. 
Really? Yeah. And I really liked being blonde. It made me feel happier because people tend to treat you. It's a sad fact. Yeah. But they tend to treat you as though you're going to be sweet and cheery. Yeah. Those interactions just are nicer in life. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Joe, wait, I have to get back to you, though. Oh, please. How would you describe your high school social life? Oh, I would be the most popular kid that no one wanted to date. Everyone knew me. I was the funniest kid. Everyone wanted to sit by me. The athletes wanted to sit by me. Did you have a lot of girls tell you that they liked your friend? No, because I didn't really have that many friends. Like, I didn't have a group of dudes. I had, like, two dudes that I would hang out with. And I don't think any of us were pulling any names or numbers. (laughs) But I was just the funny guy. Even teachers loved me in their class because there was just a way that I could make everybody laugh in class. But then interesting that your personal relationships were intimate. Yeah, but I was also going through a lot. The family structure was really, really bad. It wasn't a good time for me mentally. So my escape was always comedy. I don't think there was any courage to try and even talk to a girl at that time because I was just going through so much. Right. Way to bring the pod down. No, no. I think that getting over struggle is hugely important. Yeah. My brother was going through a lot of mental illness problems at that time. So in and out of hospitals and jails and stuff like that. So it was just a depressing time. Older, younger brother. He's my older brother. It was so tough to the point where I wouldn't even tell people I had a brother. I didn't want to get into that part of the conversation. Now I love opening up and letting people know that, yeah, mental illness is real. And I have someone in my family that has it and I embrace it. And it was so cool. I was just thinking about him the other day. And right before I went on stage, he FaceTimed me. And it was just like the sweetest thing. You know, but for years, I would never do that. Well, you had to make the transition from viewing him as an older brother to viewing him as something else. Yeah. I have an older brother. It's our tendency to, at least for 13, 14 years, like worship them. Yeah. You hit that right on the head. It was 12, 13 when he flipped. I mean, that's a reckoning. Yeah, it was. It hurt bad. When did you first fall in love? In Tacoma, did you fall in love? No, Tacoma, I never fell in love. No, not even Vegas did I have anybody special. I was so driven into stand-up. I literally was in love with stand-up. So I didn't really have time to date anybody. And then what happened? 2003 is when I met my son's mom. And that was my first time ever dating someone that was just like me, half white, half Filipino. It was a shock. It's so funny to tell these stories now because people can't really, like, especially my son's generation, like my son, all he knows are half breed kids or hangs out with a lot of different ethnicities because that's the norm now. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of people that look like him on TV. So he embraces it and he doesn't understand the world that I came in where when I was watching Steven Spielberg's Hook in 1991 and Rufio comes onto the screen and I'm like, wait a minute, that looks like my cousin. Let me wait till the end of the movie to see if he's Filipino. Like, literally, that's what you had to do. There was no Google search or nothing. It was just like, wait, 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 wait. This is different. It's not a white person. It's not a black person. This is something that looks like me. I have a voice on the big screen right now. Hold on. And then you wait. And then you see it. And it said, Dante Bosco. I go, Filipino. I remember going to school and just telling everyone to go watch Hook. Like, yo, there's this Filipino dude, stole the movie. It was Robin Williams, Dustin Hoffman, Julie Roberts. But I'm telling you, this Filipino kid playing Rufio, I'm telling you, his name's Dante Bosco. And that's the only way you can get that out there. It's so funny because we live in this country and it's so, I hate saying this word because I don't want to say it like this, but it is very white and I'm half white. 
But when you do something like that, you alienate all the other people that live in this country. And if they don't get an opportunity to have a voice, well, then what the fuck, man? Yeah. Oh, let's talk about your movie. All right, so here you go. I'm going to give a quick introduction to it. I'm so excited about this because, you know, you have an option now, especially now with this cancel culture. But I feel like when they said no to me, I could have easily went on Twitter and just started a hashtag going, Netflix sucks, cancel them. They don't want to give me a special. But I was cut from a different cloth and I wasn't going to do that. You're going to say no to me. Then I got to show you why you need to say yes. And I went and paid for that special myself. Not only did I pay for it, but like two days before we taped, Netflix called us and said, hey, we found out that you're shooting your own special. We really want you to know we don't want this special. It was so heartbreaking and gut-wrenching. I was crying. But I went on and did it anyway because I knew that this special was going to be the one. I knew Life from Seattle needed to be on that platform. And if they just see it, they would buy it. And I shot it. I cut it. I brought it to them. And they bought it from me. And I was like, I knew it. And shout out to my manager, my agent. You know, they believed in me too at that time. But if I didn't do that, I wouldn't have got the second special, which was coming in hot when I did all the accent jokes, right? And that's the one Steven Spielberg watched. And Steven saw that special, brought me in for a general and basically the whole team there at Amblin was like, hey, Steven wants to make a movie with you. Do you have anything to pitch? And I pitched Easter Sunday. And seven months later, we were shooting that movie. And now it comes out August. Theatrical release only. It's not going to go to streaming. That is awesome. Yeah, man. So I can't wait. That's what your mom gave you. She kept that flame. Yeah. Because that is a kind of drive that is incredibly rare. And you had a belief that your jokes were good. You had a belief that your audience would hear them. Yeah. Indirect, right? And I shout her out all the time because that's where I got that drive from with my mom, for sure. She must be so proud. Oh, yeah. She's great. Okay, Joe. Yes. What was your first kiss like? Mm. It was in the eighth grade. Joe, this does not support your assertion that you never dated. No, I never dated. That wasn't a date at all. That went on for like three days and it was only one kiss. And it was next to the buses in front of Spanaway Junior High. Spanaway. Do you know Spanaway? Oh, yeah. I spent from age 6 to 23 up there. And I went to UW. Like, I know the whole deal. What? Let's go. <gasps> I know. So was the kiss good? I remember it was weird. I remember, like, the tongue in my mouth. And I was just like, what? This is aggressive. How was the negotiation handled? I just walked her to her bus. And then she just turned around, put her arm on my shoulder, and then just pulled my head in. And yeah, I didn't know what to do. I've never done that before. I was like, oh, oh. I thought a kiss was just two lips touching. Was it fun? I don't even know if I did it right. Like to this day, I can still remember the tongue going in my mouth. Yeah. To this day, that's the only kiss I really, really remember. So you remember it fondly then? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I just, oh. <gasps> okay, now we're going to talk with Kaylee. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, to get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Kaylee, how are you? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? I am great. Joe Coy is here, and he is so hysterical. Um, You're just going to love him. And he's really empathetic. Awesome. Kaylee, will you let us know what is going on? Yeah. So my ex and I split up about four years ago. And fortunately, we've been able to stay really good friends. We share a six-year-old daughter who's an angel on earth. But yeah, we've been able to stay very close as a friendship, in a co-parenting relationship. But I think some of the demise of our romantic relationship was the fact that he's a big believer in conspiracy theories. Oh, Kaylee, when I read your letter, I was like, oh, boy. Oh, Lord. (laughs) And it's so funny because I listened to Dylan O'Brien when you guys were talking. And no joke, the moment he started labeling off, you know, the flat earth theory and all this stuff, I'm like, this is my life. (laughs) It's hard to kind of... And gather your thoughts about it in a respectful manner too, because, you know, these people really believe some of this stuff. Yeah. When they describe the rabbit hole, it's not just the technical threads that are being pulled. Mm -hmm. It's also your emotional state. You are really on a cyclone of making yourself angry and paranoid. Mm -hmm. And Kaylee, if you don't mind, I'll mention in your letter that Alex Jones was on all day long when you guys were together incessantly. And it got to the point where I, towards the end of our relationship, removed myself from a good portion of our house. We had an extra room that I ended up moving into. And aside from taking care of our child together, I was in there. So (laughs) it was crazy. Joe, do you have thoughts? Do you have people in this world? Yeah, who doesn't? They're all over. But my whole thing is the minute it becomes obsessive, just in anything, it's not fun. Mm -hmm. If someone believes in conspiracies, then that's fine. Just do that on your own time Mm -hmm. and, and quit trying to sell the gospel. You know, it's like, go find a group of people that you believe that with and then share those with them. Imagine just living with that where it's just every morning, it's like, you know how the World Trade Center's went down. Right? <sighs> and it's just like, oh man, I'm just trying to grab some milk. Constant negativity. Right. Such a dark cloud. And the desire to believe, to make the choice to go so absurdly dark. Mm-hmm. Kaylee, how has it affected his personal relationships and his work? So he's in a relationship. I'm in a relationship. We're both very happy. We both get along with our step parents, I guess. By the way, big congrats to that. Thank you. That's amazing. Yes. And that's the new parenting. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that should be celebrated. That's right. Because the old school way sucked. It's so true. Thank you for saying that. I really do appreciate it because it's been a lot of work. My big issue right now is everybody is entitled to their own opinions. And I know that firsthand. I mean, even when we got together, I knew he had kind of alternative beliefs on certain things than I did. And it was fine for a long time. I was with him for about five years. But 
right now, my daughter is in school. She's being taught all of these things. And it's really difficult for her, I think, as a kid to understand why all of these adults are telling her one thing. And then this adult that she respects and trusts so much is telling her all of those other adults are wrong. Totally. This is hard. Yeah. I don't know how to sit there and say, hey, you're fucking insane. Yeah. Just grow up or go get help. Are you close with his wife or girlfriend? I am. Yeah, I like her a lot. Because this could also be an angle. If you make her an ally... In like, I feel like he's really unhappy. Yeah. And I worry that all that stuff, you know, that he's obsessed with is making him angrier and angrier. Yeah. And I don't know if you've noticed that. Like, are you feeling the same way? You know, maybe that can be one avenue. And I kind of feel like you should write him a letter. Yeah. And say, hey, you know that I love you and I respect you and love our daughter so much as you know. And I know you're an amazing father, blah, 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 all that stuff. But have you felt more irritable lately mm-hmm. with all the theories? Because, of course, if you believe them, then you have to be pissed off at the whole world that doesn't. Right. The only hope, I guess, is for some degree of self-reflection on his part. Yeah. If that point somehow can hit home with him, that he is, you know, less happier than he was five years ago. Mm-hmm. And why is that? At some point, there has to be a little bit of, oh, do I seem unhappy? Do I seem angry? Yeah. And it goes so much beyond all of that too. I've tried talking to him about it in the past, just as the girlfriend's chatting, but I have such a hard time with him. I love the idea of a letter because I get everything out pretty well that way. The thing that I worry about with the initial context is that he's going to somehow attach this to your relationship with your daughter. Yep. Oh, now I can't trust you with her. That's right. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily want you to suggest a therapist, but I think his wife could. Yeah. If you formed that bond with her. I haven't talked to her in a little while and I'm not really sure where she stands as of right now. The pickup drop-off situation used to happen between her and I, which is great. So I chat with her a little bit then. You know, she would say like, I don't understand why you won't put bug spray on her, you know, and she's getting eaten alive by mosquitoes. So I think that she's kind of on the fence with all this stuff. Oh, no. (laughs) Don't you think, Joe? Yeah. I thought you'd be an ally. (laughs) Yeah. It's two versus one. Yeah. That's a tough one, man. I do love the idea of like sending a note over to him and I'll probably handwrite it too. Can I also suggest something? Yeah. And this is not directed in a mean way, but also you should get therapy too. Yeah. (laughs) And that's very important because you shouldn't have this bottled up inside you. Yeah. Just like how you're having this discussion with us right now, it feels good. Mm -hmm. Imagine if you could just say it to one more person that can break down what's happening. Yep. I do once a week. Oh, good. Oh, you do? And that's a good thing. I do too. And I love it. Yeah. You really are impressive in your context with this situation. Yeah. Thank you. Truly. You seem like you're approaching this with a very level head and I totally see your problem. Oh, God. I know that you already know this. It's what he's looking for. He's searching it out. It's tough for him. He's going to alienate himself. His job is okay. He's still working. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because conspiracy theorists never work. (laughs) You're going to get a kick out of this. So he actually does Bitcoin? Of course he does. (laughs) Of course he does. Yep. He just lives in a VO world. Does he wear Oculus glasses? I have no idea at this point. I mean, he's done like the duct taping over the cameras. And yeah, it's just gotten to the point where he texts me these long chain text messages of nonsense about germ theory. Oh, God. 
I've got a background in the medical field too. Why is he texting you this shit? I know. I'm sure he does it to a lot of people, but yeah. I don't like that at all. Yeah. My thing is recently he had made a comment in front of my daughter, my six-year-old daughter, about Hollywood and satanic cults and pedophilia. Yeah. And right away, like I wanted to shut it down because I kid you not, she was right there. So it's just a really inappropriate comment to make in front of a six-year-old. I don't know how do you say stop acting like a child and stop talking like that in front of her without... Yeah, that feels intentionally putting fear into her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think this is a case for someone much more qualified. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I just don't think you should engage. What does your therapist think? Yeah. She's got mixed feelings about it. She's one of those people that's just really supportive and fortunately just lets me kind of vent it all out. But I mean, she has mentioned maybe talking to a lawyer and doing that kind of stuff. Ugh. No, don't do that. No, I don't want to go there. You don't need to go there. Yeah. How does this advice sound on a gut level? Yeah. If I were to say, maybe don't do anything, take zero Mm -hmm. action except for telling your daughter, hey, if you ever want me to explain anything to you, Mm -hmm. I'm more than happy to. I want to hear your questions, you know? Yep. Does that feel good, Kaylee, on a gut level? Or does it feel like the situation is... Like, he's not going to be, like, a dangerous person, is he? No, no. No, he's not. He reads comic books all day and (laughs) believes in them. (laughs) Pretty much. Does he have a terrible temper? No. Oh, good. Okay. He's very reasonable. You know, he's a really good guy. Oh, this is good news. Okay. Yeah. When he gets excited about a certain topic, it's hard to shut him up and say, you need to look at the bigger picture. Have you tried to explain any of this to her? Yeah. (laughs) I did tackle the conversation a little bit and just said, because she knows a little bit about like religion and, you know, we never push anything like that on her, but I have said it's a little bit like religion. Sometimes people have different beliefs than other people and we kind of just have to tolerate it. But for now, I want you to listen to like (laughs) what the teachers are teaching you. She's going to put all the pieces together and then she'll trust you more. The more you engage in it, the more both of you start to become crazy, you know? Yeah. I say stay normal and your daughter's going to see normalcy and crazy. Believe me. Yep. You know what I mean? Dad's walking around in a flat earth shirt and mommy's walking around in a goddamn nice outfit, you know, (laughs) living her best life. Yeah. That's good (laughs) advice, Joe. That is. As long as he's not getting into the dark anger and going ballistic in any way, I think that's really sound advice. And if you do tell your daughter, you know, if you ever have any questions about anything, you can always come to me. Leave it at that broad context. Yeah. yeah. Without saying, you know, about what dad says or anything like that. And then maybe in a few months, she'll ask you, what happens when the ship disappears into the horizon? Does it fall? I really like that advice, though, Joe. Honestly, you know, I've been stressing myself out about what I should say to him. And I think you're right. Just kind of leave it. Yeah. Yeah. She's very smart for a six-year-old, too. And I bet she may have picked up on some of your tension around it. Yeah. Let her make her own decision. Believe me, you're going to be very impressed with the decision she makes. Awesome. Yeah. I really like that. That's awesome. It's a long game. It is a long game. It is, and we're going to be in each other's lives forever. Yeah. Exactly. Kaylee, thank you for talking about this. I think a lot of people are going to relate to this. Yeah. I hope so. You know, it gets to somebody. But thank you so much, Anna. 
I've been watching you since Scary Movie, and my mom and I are huge fans. So this is this is really a treat. Oh, thank you. And Joe, it was really nice to meet you. Thank you. It's really nice to meet you. And congratulations on co-parenting in an awesome way and a beautiful daughter. Yeah, exactly. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye, Bye. Keely. Bye. You're just awesome. Thank you so much, Joe. Yeah, of course. And you gave spot-on advice. I was thinking about the logic of the tangible being real Yeah. to our simple minds. Wouldn't a flat earther, like, want to start a nonprofit to, like, save the ships? (laughs) Like, we keep trying. Yeah. We keep trying. They never come back. (laughs) They keep falling into Jupiter. Yeah. It's a defiant way of life, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, now we're going to talk with Sunshine. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, Sunshine. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Great. I'm here with Joe Coy, who is just brilliant and wonderful. Will you tell us what's going on? Yeah. Basically, my sister, she's been dating this guy for a long time, but he just never like prioritizes her and he flirts with other people and she just always makes excuses for him and says that, no, he just loves everybody so much and that's why he talks to these other girls and stuff. And so right now they are both on like church missions and he's in Germany and she's in Southern California. And he broke up with her over email and said, I think we should date other people when we get back. But I still want to date you. And God just told me to break up with you so I can be a better man for you. All right. I want to jump in right away. Yeah. Whenever you use God for an excuse, you're dealing with a con man. Yeah. It's like this smoke screen. Yeah. Is she older or younger? She's two years older than me. And we're best friends. And like, I've never been able to really talk to her about him and like tell her like, you deserve someone better because... She gets really defensive and makes excuses for him. And I just don't know how to tell her, like, stop investing in this guy. I really was the same way. And when people did dance around it or whatever, I felt the same way. I would, like, retreat and be protective of this relationship that was making me feel awful. Do they fight a lot? They don't really fight because she never tells him how she feels and... They never really hang out. Like, even when they both lived in the same city, they never really hung out or, like, got to see each other just because he would always be doing other things or be hanging out with other people. And she just has it in her head that she's still going to get married to him. Like, she told me, I know, like, we're going through a rough patch, but I'm fine with it because I know I'm still going to marry him because I've prayed about it. Oh, boy. In your church, do people tend to get married younger? Yeah, so she's part of, like, the Mormon church. So she's, like, on a church mission. And so she is used to people getting married younger, and she wants to get married younger and everything. I just wonder if you could do sort of a two 
pronged attack. One, making her feel like independently beautiful and strong. If you were to just text her, like, I'm just so happy you're my older sister. I look up to you. I love you so much. You're so beautiful. You're so strong. You're so smart. Because this kind of realization has to be made for oneself. You can't single-handedly break them up. Yeah, nothing worse than someone saying you should do this because then they're going to be like, well, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do what I want to do. They don't want to hear it. Exactly. Like I would always tell myself, they just don't see what I see. They don't see what I see. You got to let them do that because what happens is you're going to start splitting you and her up. You know, you're going to start making her make a decision that she doesn't want to do. Yeah. Just be her sister. Like, I don't want to push her away from me. Yeah, you don't want to do that. Just listen to her. Let her cry on your shoulder. And then the more she cries on your shoulder, the more she's going to go, oh, this is what love is. And the person that's making me cry is not giving me love. Like, I wonder if down the road, if you could say, it would really break my heart if you were to get married to someone who makes you feel worse more than he makes you feel better. Yeah. Sometimes I talk about the idea of balance in a relationship. And if you are spending 70% of the time or more feeling bad, whether it's fighting or cheating or just bad. That is a good indicator. We don't listen to that gauge very frequently because we are determined and we're proud. And it's like, no, I made this declaration. Therefore, I am going to stand by it. That's how I've been divorced twice. (laughs) So you're actually the best person to actually listen to this because you're basically her sister. Oh, totally. You were probably hearing this from other people in your life saying, why are you marrying this guy? Or why are you still with this guy? And you were like, cuz, I love him. That's right. That's why you don't understand love. Totally. I feel this, but I didn't have a lot of close girlfriends. And your sister is lucky that she has you. And so I think all you kind of can do is build up her ego. Is she homesick right now? Is she enjoying Southern California? Yeah, she likes it. She's very independent. She's definitely a planner. So she's like been planning her whole life after she comes back from Southern California, like going back to school and everything. And I feel like worried about her though, because after he broke up with her, she just went in this huge planning phase and planned the next five years of her life and like all these trips and everything. And she can't sit and think about it. That's like an older sibling quality. Yeah. Yeah. I just think kind of going above and beyond, you know, tell her like, oh my God, that looks sexy on you. Because then she'll start to see herself as that person. And then she'll start to build up the idea that she is worthy of faithful love or whatever she wants. Yeah. And she'll probably realize that on her own, but they're not getting married yet. There's still a little bit of time. How long is he in Germany for? She comes back in August and he comes back in September. He comes back after beer fest. Joe, you were just right there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, this is what you got to do. She's got to live her life and she's got to make her own decisions and let her write her own book. It's going to be a bad chapter, but eventually she'll get to the best part of the book. Yeah. You're her best friend. You're her sister, but you're not her life. Let her live it. You know, you can give her advice and you can tell her like, oh, God, I don't like the way you, you know, don't say him, you know, because the minute you label him as the bad person, but you can say, God, I hate seeing you sad, honey. I don't like it. Yeah. It hurts me to see you sad. You can say stuff like that. But the minute you start trying to attack, that's when they start to be very defensive. And they don't want to take your advice because now you're just trying to break us up and you're not listening. And that sucks. You don't want to do that. Right. That is like one of our worst human qualities, I think. Yeah. When you hear that, 
they don't think that you're talking about the other person. They think you're talking to her. So if you say something bad about him, you're basically telling her she's stupid. Yeah, that's where the pride element comes in. Yeah, her ego gets checked. Yep. Like, don't tell me who I picked is bad. I know who I picked, and he's a good person. And I'm going to show you he's a good person. And we're going to get married just to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> we're married now. Yep. Thank you very little. <laughs> oh, man, though. How old is your sister? She's about to be 21. Oh, man. That is the time of, like, that raw love. Yeah, And then, man. like, the devastation when, of course, they cheat. <laughs> I think it's really wonderful what a generous sister you are. Thank you. I mean, I know what it's like to be a little sister. You, like, look up to your older sibling. And I think it's wonderful that you guys are really close. And I think that's making her feel loved. For sure. Give her more love. Give her more love than he's given. Watch what happens. Yeah, that's right. That way she knows what love is and what she's missing. Most people eventually will start to recognize, oh, that person just makes me feel bad. Sunshine, do you feel okay about this? Yeah. Honestly, I am glad that I talked to you guys because I was really like thinking about bringing it up to her when I saw her in the summer, specifically about him. But I think that you're right. And I should just really let her like come to that realization by herself and just really love her and boost her ego. Totally. And I wouldn't even phrase it as you deserve better than this, because that was also like if I heard that during that time in my life, I would have thought you don't understand me. So it can't even be little hints, I'm afraid. Yeah. It's about building her up and her singularly, you know, and I know she'll do the same for you. She may be a little more vocal if she's like, oh, my God, that guy's such a loser. <laughs> but at least you'll feel like she has your back. And, you know, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that is a beautiful thing. Thank you so much for talking to me. You have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks so much for writing in, Sunshine. You too. Thank you. Nice to meet you, Joe. <laughs> oh, nice to meet you. Bye. Bye. I'm going to do this game called Deal Breakers. We have to imagine that you're single, all right? Okay. <laughs> you're on a first date. Okay. You find out they pop bubble wrap to calm their nerves. Uh, no. No? No, because I love bubble wrap. I'm 50. If When I see packaging come wrapped up in bubble wrap, I can't get enough of it. But wait, Joe, it's a different experience if you're the popper. That's true. I love it. So if that person... Like brought extra, like started doing it at the restaurant. Okay, now at the restaurant, no. Only at the house. No. No, can't do that. That's a deal breaker. All right. Give me another one. Give me another one. They believe Tupac and Elvis are still alive. Oh, man. I think at this point, we should all know that Elvis is dead and he died six years ago, for sure. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> now, Tupac is somewhere in Cuba. For <laughs> sure. Okay, good. So not a deal breaker. No, it is a deal breaker. That person is crazy. They're both dead. All right. They only travel by train. You know what? That's not a deal breaker. I would like that. That's kind of a cool way of traveling. And yeah, especially now, if I were single and dating someone that likes to travel by train, I'd be like, yeah, no pun intended, but I'm aboard. Okay. But then she says, oh my gosh, let's take the undersea train to the Philippines. We can't do that. It's a deal breaker. <laughs> have a bad day. I've never taken the undersea train. <laughs> they have one from London to like... Yeah, it feels like it should be a little more exciting than it is. Right? That's what I said. I'm like, yeah. what is this? Yeah. The subway's better than this in New York. Yeah. You're so right. I felt the same way. Like, what was this? I like to think about things that sound better than they are. Are you ready for some? Yes. Backpacking around Europe. Lame. Gazpacho. What is that? And I've had it. And I'm like, it's what is good. this? It's good. It just sounds better than it is. You're right. It does. Hot buttered rum. 
Yeah. How about this one? Long Island iced tea. I feel like it's an appropriate expectation level. Yeah, but when I heard the description and then they made it for me and I took my first sip, I swear to God, I remember going, what the fuck is this? Like, this is just pure gasoline. What the fuck is on ice? <laughs> yeah, but appropriately named. Is it? It doesn't taste anything like tea. Totally. It's Long Island. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, then they should just call it a Long Island. Get rid of the iced tea because that threw everything off for me. Yeah, it's a mouth surprise. Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <laughs> a mouth surprise. <laughs> they have a 14-foot python roaming free in their apartment. A 14-foot python? No. Who is this person? Total deal breaker. Snakes suck. Snakes are rad. What? I think they're kind of rad. I'm fascinated by them. Do you have one? Yes, we do. And I grew up with them. Please let me show you something really quickly. Deal breaker. Deal breaker? Yeah, I know. You thought you liked me, huh? Yeah, yeah. Not anymore. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, no. So it wasn't a question on the card. It was an actual thing you have. She's going outside, everyone, just in case you don't know what's going on. She got up from the chair that's in front of her couch and went outside of her own house. And now she has something in her hand. And I think it's a serpent. She can't hear anything that I'm describing right now. Hi. Oh, she's back. She's got a snake. It's a two-headed snake. It's a two-headed snake. I just acquired uh -uh. this piece. Hell no. I have like just a small, odd taxidermy collection. Why would you have that? I know. It's kind of rad, isn't it? Yeah, that is kind of cool. I wouldn't mind having that. But that's not a real snake. Yeah, we do have a real snake. And I truly did grow up with mostly boa constrictors. And they were massive. Yeah, and they also crush bodies. We would take them to the park. On a leash? No, but the one that was largest, her name was Marjorie. She was eight and a half feet. And, I mean, she was big enough that she would just slither along. That's illegal, you know that? To take your snake to the park, not in Edmonds, Washington. Have you checked, like, the municipal laws there, Joe? That's so ridiculous. I know. Snakes are ridiculous. I know. I like the oddity. Okay, one more. They believe they are reincarnation of Cleopatra. That person shouldn't even be out on the street, right? <laughs> Don't you find in Los Angeles the self-describer, like the grandiose self-describer? Yes. People are quick to pat themselves on the back for self-identifying. Yeah, for sure. If you were reincarnated, what would you come back as? I don't know. I know, right? And then you kind of don't want to say it out loud because if you do die and you come back as that thing and then the person that does the reincarnation, you're like, you fucking said it during that pod. True. Yeah, but I just like trees. Fuck. <laughs> Not going to be here for 180 years? Yeah. <gasps> Joe, I can't thank you enough. You are just fantastic. We'll do my pod next. Okay, I would love to. And wait, where can we see Live from Seattle? Well, there's four of them now. There's Live from Seattle. There's Coming in Hot. The Philippines in his elements. And then my fourth one comes out September on Netflix. I haven't given a name yet, but I just finished editing it and it's amazing. Awesome. Let's go. And my movie, Easter Sunday, drops in August. Congratulations on everything. You're amazing. You're amazing. Snakes! <laughs> Bye, Joe. Bye. Bye.